Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. I have a treat for you today, and I think probably the best way to sort of lead into this conversation, I want to share with you a story from 2017 that appeared in WLOX. Uh, on WLOX News, I should be sharing a Sun Herald story, but the one that came up that I that I liked immediately was this one. And uh, let me just read a little segment to you, and then we'll uh, move to our guest. Okay, here's what it says from Biloxi. Many of the men and women who opened Mississippi's first dockside casino returned to Point Cadet Friday night. The property where they once worked had a new name. The new name, obviously, was Golden Nugget. And a much different look, but that didn't matter. The men and women tied to the Ala Capri were back together celebrating 25 years of friendship and 25 years of dedication to a company and to an industry. The Isle was Mississippi's first casino. It opened August the 1st, 1992 on a hot summer day on Biloxi's eastern tip. Thousands stood in sweltering heat, waiting for a chance to walk aboard two riverboats docked at Point Cadet and tempt Lady Luck. Tim Hinckley was an executive with the Isle Capri. When he thinks about those lines, he smiles. That was my instant recollection, he said. He recently said, that we might have something here, and we obviously did. And it goes on to talk about the work that Tim did to find uh, this dusty parking lot in an old factory restaurant building and had four months to get this thing up and running. What a story it is. And I'm thrilled now to have my friend, Tim Hinckley, on Coast View. And we're going to look back and kind of tell that story, see where he is today, this guy who made such a great impact at Coastal Mississippi. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing great, Rick. Thank you. It's a good, good, nice- good place to start. So where are you sitting right now? Tell people where you're sitting. Uh, I'm in our, we got a little bungalow in uh, uh, Largo, Florida. Um, uh, we also have a house up in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, it was a little colder up there, so we thought we'd come down here. And you know, we we go back and forth. Um, right now, my my grandbaby's outside. She's uh, coloring the parking garage, and uh, that's the dachshund you heard. So, um, mom and the other grandbaby are at the pool, and uh, uh, Gussie's in here doing an interview with some old friends. So, <laughs> life is good, man. Hey, listen, I've, I've told told a story many times about you. You may not even remember this, but um, I was an operations director at the Sun-Herald at the time, and I was engaged in the United Way annual meeting. And we came by to meet with you, and we wanted to we wanted to kind of go over the kickoff. And you you remember the annual meeting, the the big kickoff for the year was always just a lot of glitzy pop and circumstance. We wanted to we wanted the next year to be bigger than the year before. So I came there, and we we're going down this list, and um, one of the things on the list was balloons, helium balloons. You know, we were going to release balloons during this meeting. 
And I said, yeah, we got balloons. And I put a check mark and I went on and I went to the next item. And you, and you immediately said, no, 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 stop. So how many balloons do you have? I said, uh, two or 300. He said, you said, no, we need, I can't remember the number, but it was closer to 10,000 than it was to 300. <laughs> and it hit me. We made a note of it and we, we did it as you suggested. And when I walked out of the meeting, I, it hit me that something that Roland Weeks and I talked about a lot, and that is that the kind of people that the casino industry would bring to the community would change the commitment to the community. It would change the kind of leadership. It would it would raise the bar for all of coastal Mississippi. And it was that one story about the balloons that hit me that, you know, these guys are thinking at another level. Do you remember that meeting? No, but I remember you telling the story, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, it's just it's just one of those things that 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 made a big impact. When you look back on your your time here, we'll start with this, and then we'll go retrace some steps here. When you look back on your time here, um, what is the memory? What is the how do you reflect on that memory here? That that coastal Mississippi memory. Yeah, it's it's still uh, thirty some odd years later. It's still a great sense of accomplishment for you know just a lot of dedicated people. Um, because, you know, we were kind of nomads. Uh, business wasn't nearly as good up in the Quad Cities as we thought. Uh, we had a license down in uh, Natchez. We thought, well, let's go down and take a look at it. And, you know, I'd, I'd been to Natchez before and it you know, on the river and it qualified. But uh, there was a day, I think it was a Sunday, I said, I'm going to go over the, the Gulf Coast and take a look at that and see what we think. And I turned the, I turned the corner down to Point Cadet and went, what the what the hell are we doing in Natchez? And unfortunately, that they had not passed a referendum for gaming in Harrison County at that time, but they were putting it back up on the blocks. And fortunately, it passed. And so we maneuvered right away with the Mississippi Gaming Commission and uh, got our license right there at, at Point Cadet. Uh, it was the old, uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurants, but the Thorntons were the owners. And we commandeered that that site, and think, yeah. When you said four months, um, that was from moving uh, an entire company down on boats and turning these uh, river boats into land-based uh, casinos. And yeah, we opened up the doors, and I, you know, we had lines until the next casino opened a week later, just around the clock. So yeah, I thought we had something at that point. I, I know you did. You came down, you worked closely with Bernie Goldstein, who was at the time known as the godfather of riverboats. Um, tell me about working with Bernie. You know, Bernie was, uh, uh, was born out of a family, married into a family of really a, a scrap company. Um, and he, had, he, would have, he was a, he had a law degree. Uh, but if anything, Bernie was a, a dreamer and really nothing, there were no wrong ideas. And, and he'd throw stuff up against the wall and, he, and, and see what stuck. And that was a good marriage from his standpoint because he was learning the gaming industry as we all were. I, my, my restaurant's background, my background is restaurants. But there, we had a lot of commonalities uh, in that, you know, let's try stuff, let's be bold. Uh, let's do our best to, um, uh, you know, the, all the P's and Q's of running a business, but most of all, you know, let's take care and get the best employees we could, which opening up 
number one was we got the absolute best employees. And then what are you going to do with them? Market the hell out of the place. And, uh, you know, these little river boats that look like they were still on the Mississippi, we kind of made them look as much as uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast as we could. And it worked. Um, and then we took it on. And we went from there to, I think when I left, we had 18 casinos. We had a few in the U.K., uh, it was it was just a wild ride, but none of it happens without the Mississippi Gulf Coast. What I remember, okay, first of all, you you said you were in the in the restaurant business. You had spent five years as general manager with uh, Shula's Restaurant, then Starline Cruise Dining as the chief operating officer for five years, and then you landed in coastal Mississippi. What I remember about you is the intense focus on employees, on culture, on brand. And on giving back to the community, uh, did I capture the essence of Steve of, of, of Tim in that quick quick description? In a nutshell, it was it, the 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 objective was pretty simple. They did we had the gaming guys, they did, yeah. running casinos, uh, slot machines, the tables, and that we had really good people. Um, but it was how are we going to market this? Uh, because the other thing is that there were other companies lined up that were much bigger and more seasoned than we were. And I don't want to get gobbled up. I want to do everything we could right at the very beginning to make an impression. And we must have done a pretty good job because like, we had so many people that says, you know, I might go somewhere else, but you're the Coast Casino. Mm-hmm. And that, felt, that made me feel good. And the, yeah. the people that work for us bought into it. And this was their hometown. Uh, they, they, they wanted this to work. And uh, we just couldn't match a better relationship with uh, the local people, the local vendors, uh, everyone was so supportive. And um, like I said, you know, we went from there. I love the story. I, I remember it well about when you guys were in a brainstorming session about what were you going to name this? And of course, we had the Isle of Caprice off of coast of Mississippi. Someone had the idea to drop the, the C and the E. But tell that story a little bit. That, that was That's a, a fascinating thing that stuck and, and became sort of the brand of the company. We, we, we really... I think once we we had it right in front of us, it we went through all the gnashing, the arguing, what were the best things. Uh, I think part of it is just you had some new people that kind of get to know each other and, and you know, we're finding our way. But Bernie was in a lot of those sessions and and he says, you know, um, he stood up there on the chalkboard and I think he, you know, we had Isla Caprice down. And it seems like he just erased it. And just was, you know, C-A-P-R-I. Let's call it that. And, you know, of course, then you go through us. We can't do that. That's not what it's known for, yada, yada. Um, boy, were we wrong. <laughs> so. Hey, let's do, let's do this. We're at the end of the segment. When we get on the other side, we'll pick the story up from right there. This is uh, yeah. Tim Hinckley, who had the, 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 you know, the honor and the privilege of opening the first casino in coastal Mississippi after it was approved. Dockside Gaming was approved. We'll see you after this. live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. On August the 1st, 1992. Boy, it sounds like that's a long time ago. In some ways, I can literally still remember looking at those long lines at the Alley Capri. But the Alley Capri opened on a hot summer day, and Tim Hinckley was there to sort of lead the process forward. And it was a, it was a big development in coastal Mississippi, and there was no looking back after that. What we, uh, what, where we were when we uh, went to break, we were talking about sort of the naming of the Alley Capri. But you said uh, you know, it, it, it took off after that. But talk, talk about how important that brand was to you. Well, it, we wanted something that would kind of set up us set us apart, but also, you know, it it uh, made us part of the community. Because you know they're not going to call it a grand casino or something like that. They're they're actually going to put together something that's about us. And you know, it was easy for us to market because we wanted to be kind of footloose, free. You know, not these all oh, these oh these are casino guys. And talk about tables and all that kind of stuff. We wanted to, to have, uh, uh, obviously, what was going to be our bread and butter. But we also wanted something where it was going to be fun. And, and it, we started with our, our staff. I said, guys, you know, we're looking for people who got lots of energy and love working with people and smiles on their faces. And uh, we were able to get that because we were one of the first in the, in the area to do it. But the other thing, then, is let's market to it. Um, and let's get everyone thinking that, you know, we're, we're out on the islands, whether you'd been to Biloxi before, didn't matter. Uh, you know, let's, let's create our own, uh, uh, little brand that people will instantly relate to. And so, um, you know, from our, our attire with the, with the staff war to, you know, we had the river boats for a little while, but we instantly started building a barge that uh, was allowed at that time. And you walked into that and you knew, I mean, we had palm trees. We had all sorts of wild colors. We had wild colors for our staff. Uh, we had great music. I mean, we wanted to pump in that atmosphere that, you know, people, they got to know real well. And then we took good care of them. And like, like I said earlier to the last segment, and they, they were our friends. I mean, the aisle was uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast Casino. And even though we had lots of competition come on, uh, we never lost those people. You know, if you took a look at our player status, we had a huge volume of people who came on a regular basis. I'm real proud of that. One of the things that hit me uh, as I was preparing for this is the number of people who I knew who went to work for the Alec Capri and I don't know that they ever left. I, I think there was this, a, a, a large number of employees that had been there for, uh, you know, all the way through its existence of a, as a casino. And I mentioned to you that I remember being in a meeting with you guys at one point where you were kind of giving us a, a feel for your, your branding strategy. And you had an internal branding strategy called Owl Style. Owl Style. Owl style, and there was it was connecting the brand. You think about brand, you think about the emotional connection that people have to the brand. That's usually demonstrated through the culture of the company and the way the employees buy into that and how they how they sort of uh, you know live the brand. Um, you guys were serious about that, weren't you? Yeah, we were. It, it 
again, we weren't going to be the biggest. In fact, we, we had our saying was we're not the biggest. We want to be the best. Um, and, you know, the approach with the staff was uh, I mean, we're serious about you wanting to have fun. You know, they look at you like, are you, are you sure? You know, as other place I've worked at, you know, they're strict on the, you know, you're going to follow all the rules and the regulations. But, you know, these people made a choice to come see us. So let's celebrate it. And uh, they they found out, the staff found out after a while, says, you know, they really mean this. You know, <laughs> let's let's have some fun. I, I never wore a coat and a tie. I mean, an open shirt collar. I was big with a, our logo. Um and I encouraged our staff. I said, guys, you know, let's look professional. But I, every other casino around here, they're, you know, you'll know who the pit boss is and you know who the, the manager is because they're going to be in these nice suits and ties. And that's fine for their brand. Um, but we wanted to bring something that's different. And it's funny, fortunately, I think, for our longevity, is that no one really wanted to copy what we were doing. And uh, I said, that's great. I mean, you're making it that much more interesting and easy for us. Uh, the where we could really concentrate then on what the bread and butter is for the industry is player development. Get get a you know get to know people, be able to communicate to them, market to them, take good care of them, uh, and that's finally what we were able to do and and make it profitable. And it manifested itself in so many ways. I, I was um, you know there's so many angles to to look at it, but what, one that I that it comes to 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 mind because I was involved in lots of fishing tournaments over the years. The Owl kind of embraced the fishing community, you know, and Bobby Carter, you know, what he's, what he's done, what, and still doing today, I might add, what he's done with the Mississippi uh, Gulf Coast Billfish Classic and what that has become for the entire Gulf of Mexico and these, these tournaments and how it's defined, you know, our, you know, I think there's a side effect to that. And that is that it, it reminds people the location and where it is and it's accessible. Some of the best fishing water in the world. Um, I mean, you guys were just hitting on a bunch of cylinders, weren't you? Bobby was a perfect example of aisle style and what we're talking about. Um, he was from the coast. He talked the language. He certainly knew fishing. We were right there at the, you know, and the marina was right there uh, on, on the point. And so we had all those things going for us. And, yeah, we said, let's you make an investment on it. And, yeah, some of these guys are coming in. They're going to nick you here and there. But we got them because we took good care of them, and they, they were our friends. I mean, Bobby could list up, if there were 100 guys there, he knew all 100 of them. And uh, he knew their their, their particulars. He, he was just a master at it. Unfortunately, we had other people like Bobby that worked for us that just had a blast. And, and I'm not making it sound like, you know, every it's a 24-7 job. You know, really, you know, I'm in the – I'm kissing my wife goodbye on Christmas night. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk the floor. I want to say hi to those guys that are working. That, that, that's just the kind of the job. But it was that kind of attitude. So, look, if Hinkley's here on Christmas night where I'm not with my family, it means he's not with his family, but he's in the employee break room and, and uh, walking the floor, talking to customers. Customers were there because it was always pretty quiet on Christmas night. But it's just setting that kind of example. And there were people that I worked with, like Bobby, and others. I mean, you guys remember Billy Creel. I mean, Billy was just, uh, he was one of the big intangibles uh, of what he could just do just about anything. And he did. And Billy would be there morning, noon, and night. He'd probably be right with me on Christmas night as we're walking through the casino. That's how dedicated he was. 
So we, we just were fortunate to have that right from the outset. And I think we built on it to where we took it to other casinos. Uh, and that, that was just part of our success. Billy, Billy Creel. Wow. Yeah. What a <laughs> Billy the you, Creel. Uh, almost instant connection to Biloxi and the, and the culture of Biloxi and the cabals of Biloxi knew it. I mean, you knew, you knew how to operate when you, because of his connections. One, one other comment about, about, about Bo, uh, Bobby Carter, his son, Robbie used to fish with uh, my friend Terry and me in some of the Kingfish tournaments and now Robbie is running tournaments all over the United States from Boston to Louisiana, including yeah. including tournaments still here in coastal Mississippi. But hip, hip off the old black. You know, it's amazing how how fast time uh, flies. But so many people have been touched by this casino in so many different ways. Okay, you know, one of the things that was instantaneous, I alluded to it in the in the balloon story, but one of the things that was pretty evident immediately was that wherever you came from, you had embedded in you, in your heart and soul, that the success of the company was ultimately going to be better if you were more engaged in the community and you had employees more engaged in the community you really set the bar high on how casinos should be involved in the community. Where did that come from? Was that something that was part of you when you got here? Or talk to me about that. You know, you, you work in the restaurant industry. It, it doesn't get any more competitive than that. And, you know, I, I learned early on, um, there's a guy in the Michigan, he's in the National Hall of Fame for restaurateurs. His name was Wynn Schuler, and I worked for Winston for five years. And he was a master at uh, doing the things, the intangibles, like getting involved with the community, get them uh, to where, you know, they're not going to be a regular customer like every night, but they're going to recommend you. They're going to come see you. Uh, and that that just kind of permeates down. That That's as good a marketing as you can get. You can buy all the ads you want, but you start getting word of mouth from people that they, these guys are real. And... Uh, that, that was just part of what we wanted to embody throughout the culture of the organization is, you know, tell your friends to come down, bring your mom and dad down, uh, be proud of what you're doing. Uh, let us know. We used to meet all the time and say, hey, we're not perfect. What what are we doing really well, but what should we do be doing better? Uh, we, we fostered that kind of uh, relationships uh, as we kept on growing. And people bought into it says, you know, I'm not going to get my head put off if I got an idea. Uh, you know, it's, it's, to me, it was just common sense. And, and the restaurant industry is what taught me a lot of that because it is so competitive. you got to figure out how am I going to get that guy to come over and see me, pull him away from a competitor down the road. And, and you learn a lot. If you can do that, you can run not only restaurants, because you run any business. We're visiting with Tim Hinckley, who back in 1992, August of 1992, opened the first Dockside Casino in, in, on, in coastal Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this commitment to the Subscribe community. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast so on iTunes, ways. Google Podcasts, and, uh, Spotify, what's or Tim wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm, here, I'm visiting with my friend Tim Hinckley. 
We worked together in the community in so many different ways. But he was part of history here in coastal Mississippi when the Alec Capri Casino opened in Biloxi. And it's a it's a fascinating story. Hey, we kind of went right past this. We're going to come back to community here in just a second. But really, to go from dusty from dusty parking lot and uh, and seafood restaurant to suddenly you've got a, a casino opening in four months. That was happening all all down the coast. This incredible Herculean effort of construction, you know, around the clock construction. I'm still blown away that you actually pulled it off. When there's a will, there's a way. Uh, uh, that I didn't. Uh, I think my family came down. We were still living up north, and Don brought the kids down once or twice because I was just I was working every day. Uh, she understood what it was. It was exciting. Uh, they loved the opportunity of living on the coast, and I mean, the kids still call it home. Um, so, you know, it was it was an adventure that I'll never forget, and uh, so fortunate that we had so many people pulling for us. Um, yeah, and again, I and I had Billy, and Billy was like, uh, oh, I don't know, I could go on and on about people like him or Bobby. And there are just so many of those, those that gang that, that uh, joined us that uh, wasn't any one person. I think we all understood, you know, we're all in this together. We all had a common goal. Uh, and, you know, I'd look back at those those times with just great fondness. I want to I want to make sure we just don't skate right past your involvement in the community, whether it be the Coast Chamber, United Way or any number of other ways you contributed. But. You, um, you, you were never too busy, and you weren't someone just to sit on the board. You, you, you became, you became, you know, the chairman of the boards of these organizations. You wanted to make your mark, and you wanted to put your time in. Um, that was important to you, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, uh, I wasn't going to do it unless it make a difference. It, it was my community too, um, and let's not you know, beat around the bush, I knew it was going to be good for business. You know, if, if I could get out there and uh, uh, show not so much, gee, come to my place, but get other people involved, show a little bit of leadership, give back. Um, and not even, you know, there, there are certain committees. I mean, I never talked about, you know, gambling. I never talked about it. I talked about, you know, construction or, or advancing forward. Uh, what can we do to help people? Um, there were so many different boards that I sat on that, you know, touched either so much part of Southern Mississippi, the entire state of Mississippi, or, and I was on the American Gaming Association Board of Directors. That's a national and international uh, group. So um, I enjoyed doing it, but I also knew that it was good for our business, uh, good for contacts. Um, you know, it, it just was, to me, always the right thing to do. And I encouraged our, of our employees, not not just you know my immediate staff, but I encouraged all of our employees to get involved. You know, this is your home. Give back to it. Uh, and so many of them bought in. Um, but I believe that it's so you know it's good for communities. It's good for business, and I think it's good for people's uh, well-being. So, Tim, let's do the math real quick. How old were you when casino? In 1992, when when Al Capri opened, uh, that would have been 
37. 37 so you were just this young dude. Had, as, as my kid said, I had burr hair, not gur hair. <laughs> brown, brown hair, not gray hair. At least I still got, I still got some yeah. hair. But, you know, you were this young dude, and uh, you, you were making your mark in coastal Mississippi. It's amazing to look back. What's interesting, though, is the story sort of goes forward. You end up taking a corporate role. And, uh, and you know, the Alley Capri continues to expand. You bought some Lady Luck properties. You did all kinds of stuff along the way. But the one thing that I really wanted to focus on for just a second is after Hurricane Katrina, um, when we formed the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal, we held the charrettes at the Alley Capri. We had... We had, uh, and it you know it wasn't ready for to be reopened yet. It was just you you guys opened it up to us so we could we could have meetings there around the clock meetings for uh, a period of like about seven days, where we were envisioning what were the infrastructure needs going to be, what were the FEMA requirements going to force on coastal Mississippi, all that all that information that came from that informed Governor uh, 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 Haley Barber, who was spending all that time in in Washington trying to figure out what the what the ask was going to be in terms of the tens of billions of dollars we were going to need to rebuild. Uh, but the the Alec Capri, the way you guys opened those doors to us to have those important meetings, we were able to stay in rooms. It was, uh, you know, in some cases we had concrete on the on the floor because, you know, you had, you know, the carpet had been damaged. But um, the the role you played, literally almost immediately after the storm, was so important. Um, what guided that? Oh, that's a good question. I think I think it was just the, doing the right thing. You know, it's love of community, love of, you know, your fellow neighbors. I mean, we went through the same thing that everyone else did. Um, but it also, you know, what better place would you want to have meetings as far as the destruction than being right in the middle of it? Um, you know, not sitting off in some suite somewhere else. It's like, you know, get down there. And, and I'm, I'm very appreciative that they took us up on the offer because, uh, it was to think about as I was going through notes and I went back to what Katrina was like, um, you know, one of the things I think about is how fast we got back up to business. And I went, I went through my numbers. And I think we were we were down for three months, and that was it. And this was about a cat five, cat four and a half. And to think uh, that we were able to do that, put people back to work, and and have people come out and have some fun, because you walked around the Gulf Coast, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of fun going on. I mean, people lost their homes or they were severely damaged, and it was hot. And then the air conditioning. And all of a sudden, you know, it gave them a place. I had, a, I had people come back and says, you know, it's good to see you. I just had to get out of the sun, and I wanted to come in a place where I could cool off a little bit and have a soda pop. Um, so it's not just that we were a casino business. I mean, we, we were a local business that felt that. And it wasn't just in Biloxi. Every place we went, whether it was Natchez or the Quad Cities, uh, all of the casinos that we ran, we were part of the community. And we wanted to make sure that uh, uh, all of our people who worked there uh, understood that responsibility. And Biloxi served as, you know, the the the, the model. Uh, I made sure every manager was going to run one of their, our places. You know, they were down in Biloxi. And you say, look, you you got a lot to live up to, and make sure you do it. But make sure you're doing it for something you believe in, and 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 for all the right reasons for you, your community, your staff. 
Well, we, we knew, man, we had so many people employed in the in the casino industry. And one of the things that Governor Barber kept saying over and over to us that Okay, you got to get you got to get people their jobs back because they're not going to make a decision to stay in coastal Mississippi. They don't have a place to work. You got to give their kids a place to go to school. So you know, opening the schools as quickly as possible was a very important goal. And lastly, you got to give them a place to stay. And we focused on all of those things. And in the midst of all these things that you and I are talking about, we were also working with the legislature to get to get you know own land gaming passed. So the casinos could make the decision to rebuild. Um, it was in a remarkable time in coastal Mississippi's history. We may never see what we observed in that time ever again in the United States with all the dots aligning around this disaster. It was truly remarkable to watch. I know it's been well chronicled, and I think for years to come, uh, uh, people will have a they'll have a vehicle to uh, be shown again to not forget uh, what it was like. But you know, we just play, everyone had a role and we, we stayed with our role of what we were good at, what we could get done. And you're absolutely right. And it was not just our business, but other businesses that came together in just insurmountable odds in some cases. Um, yeah, it, it's a proud moment that uh, I'm glad you brought up because um, it was one of those that you know, my family went through it. We, <laughs> my kids were miserable. Uh, you know, they live in a different place, and and we were living like everyone else was. Um, but they look back at it, if you're asked, ask my girls, you know, they'll never forget it. They were they were proud that they made it through. They were proud of what they were able to help represent because they they weren't idle either. Neither was my wife. Um, yeah, just like you guys. Yeah, I look at I look at my kids today, and I know what we went through. We stayed at our house on Back Bay and had ten foot waves hitting my house. We we're lucky to be alive, but I think about how it impacted them, <clears throat> and they grew up fast. A lot, so many of our kids across coastal Mississippi had to grow up fast. Hey, when you retired, you <clears throat> you went back to work for the National Cherry Festival, and one of the things someone said that Hinkley went from having oversight of 10,000 employees and 18 casinos and hotel properties to a staff of seven. I can't wait to tell that story once you decided to sort of retire. What you did after that, we'll see you after this break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm having just a terrific conversation with an old friend, Tim Hinckley, who, uh, you know what? He may have grown up north of Detroit, Michigan. He may be a native of Mich- Michigan, but he is forever part of coastal Mississippi. I would say coastal Mississippi, if you can go in and rearrange someone's DNA, his his DNA got rearranged as a result of the commitment and time he spent in coastal Mississippi. What What a story it is. And, you know, Tim, it amazes me how much time, how fast time flies, really, as we reflect on these things. I recall them, and it feels like yesterday, but 
it's a it's a it's a long history that you and I are reflecting on, isn't it? Yeah, when you said, you know, I I got to have thirty years, thirty one years, and what's happened between now and then, uh, but it was especially the early part. You know, you're bringing back stuff I haven't talked about in a long time, and and when we heard we were going to do this, then Dawn and I started talking about, it, and the kids started talking about it. Uh, it was a cherished time for our family. Uh, something like I said earlier, we, we'll never forget it. Um, and like I said, I was just at the coast a couple of weeks ago, and I saw old friends and and met with some a lot of acquaintances. And it's like uh, we haven't seen each other in like a day or two. Uh, <laughs> right. That's the way it is with family, man. That's the way it is with family. <clears throat> Coastal Mississippi is definitely in your DNA. But you heard what I read when. When I uh, when I went to break, when they announced that you were going to head up the the National Cherry Festival, you went home. You know, you you were t- man, you actually got out and you were fifty years old. I think I think I read that right. Around you know, certainly in your early, like yeah. early fifties, uh, similar to me as well. You know, I I I I decided to to cut the cord and and retire. But you didn't stay retired very long. You you decided to go back and contribute back to your community. And uh, it was fascinating reading about your, your contributions. In fact, one of the things they said about you, that when you you interviewed for this job to come in and head up this cherry festival, you took the budget, you chopped it all to hell and back, you, you came back in and enthusiastically <laughs> shared with them sort of how, how they could do things better and differently and fresher, et cetera. Uh, I'm not surprised they picked you. They probably were surprised they had you as a as a candidate. But what a great experience that was for you to be able to give back in that way, wasn't it? I, you know, I went to my first meetings. I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, this is a balance sheet." <laughs> I said, "You know, we, we're going to have fun doing this, but uh, we have to we we have to do this on our own, and we got to figure out how we're going to make sure that not only." balance the books, but make sure that we're growing for the future. And they bought in, uh, and it didn't happen overnight. Um, fortunately, and I, I'm from Michigan. My sister lived up in Traverse City. We lived up there. Uh, oh, gee, now it's been over 30 years. Um, so, you know, I spoke that language, too, and uh, saw immediately that there was a lot of talent. It just needed a little bit of a push, sometimes a kick in the butt. Uh, a lot of nurturing and, and hugs and that kind of stuff, like, like just like the aisle, really. Yeah. Uh, but uh, getting the, the belief that you know, yeah, it's a it's a what a ten day festival. But we had over five hundred thousand people come to that ten day festival, and uh, a lot of the stuff that people do at a festival is free, and we had to figure out how we were going to change that business model to still be able to. Uh, uh, not only draw the people we've been drawn, but how we draw more and new people. How do we introduce this to so many other folks? And and so by the time, you know, I, I had a three-year contract. Um, I thought that would be enough time to be able to have some fun with it, uh, help it. Uh, fortunately, we had uh, a, a fellow now who's in charge of the state tourism in Mississippi, Trevor, not Mississippi, up in Michigan. Um, Trevor, who was, you know, great. And I said, Dad, I've already got my successor uh let's see what we can do together and uh it wasn't just the cherry festival all of a sudden now i think the cherry festival was in charge of they also called themselves the 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 festival company because there's something in the winter time there's something going on in the fall there's always something going on uh that helps the balance sheet 
gets uh, the, the community out there working together, having some fun, draws people from all over the place. Um, so I'm really happy with that. Still live in the area, still got a lot of friends. Uh, I've just kind of set aside, you know, Tim, you want to do this or that? It's just, no. <laughs> <laughs> but just I'll sit back and watch you guys. Just like, just like I didn't sit still, you know, you didn't sit still either. You found a way to uh, give back to the community. Hey, listen, in the short time we have left, one of the things I say here on this show all the time, and you're in a unique position because you've been around the U.S. all over, and you've seen what is in the heart and soul of coastal Mississippians. You've seen when you hear the word resiliency, you've lived it, you understand it. That's what makes this place so special. When you reflect on what is what is in the heart and soul of coastal Mississippians, um, what does it mean to you? Boy, I mean, you said you said a lot of the action: Re- resilience, uh, love, respect, family, um, culture. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many things that are so true of of that that particular place. Um, and we've had so many uh, good friends that uh, uh, we've developed, we'll always keep. I know there'll be people that know me that are watching this. Um, so, you know, and like I said, if you're asked my two kids who have lived a lot of different places, when you ask them where, where's home, and they'll tell you it's the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Tim Hinkley, it has been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. One of the things I love most about doing this show is the chance to circle back with people like you, people who mean so much to us. Um, I'm glad to see you're relaxing down in Florida, and uh, God bless you, my friend. Thanks very much, Ricky. Thanks to everyone, your family, the whole Coast crew. Thank you, everybody. You bet. This has been Tim Hinkley. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.